0: Welcome to Ag PhD Radio,
1: broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about corn tasseling, fungicide, insecticide, nutrients. Now, I realize you may be just planting corn today, but there are people in the United States that have corn that's at tassel right now or will be fairly soon. And you know what, even if you're just putting your crop in the ground right now, eventually, hopefully, that corn's going to be tasseling at some point. So this is an important topic, especially this year when we look at what commodity prices are. You say, man, it's $8 corn right now. Even this fall, you're talking six fifty, maybe $7 corn. That's exciting. So we want to try to get as many bushels as possible out there. So we'll go through that today. Again, corn, tasseling, fungicide, insecticide, nutrients. If you've got any questions for us about that or anything that's going on in your farm, any agronomic question, anything you want to visit with us about, our phone lines will be open throughout the show today. The number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so one of the things Darren and I were just talking about before we walked into the radio show here was presidrus nitrate tests. So we we see quite a few of them that are done at 12 inches, and that's fine. And it all depends on your soil, your compaction level. I mean, there are a lot of factors to look at. On our farm, I always like to see 24 inches. So last fall, for example, when we were seeing all of our 6-inch tests were coming out, with ridiculously high levels of nitrogen, I said, you know what? I really want to know, even today, what's down to 24? So last fall, we did zero to six acre tests on everything. We did our normal one acre grids. And then we did not a lot of spots, but a few spots. So maybe two or three spots in every field just to see with just testing nitrate and 6 to 24 inches now in the past on our farm with pre-side nitrate tests we've run a 0 to 12 and a 12 to 24 just to find out okay how much is in the top 12 how much is in the next 24 but i mean i'm perfectly comfortable in our heavy soils all right where we don't have a lot of rainfall where we're just running a straight 0 to 24 so then we only have one number one uh test to pay for instead of paying for two doing a zero to twelve and a twelve to twenty four, but I know yesterday I was talking to somebody who had just gotten a, a zero to twelve, and I said, "Okay, everything I am going to tell you here, it's probably going to be fine, but keep in mind you might have another fifty pounds in your next twelve inches. You might have hundred pounds. You might only have ten. I don't know, but knowing your soil, knowing how heavy it is and everything, I said the odds are you got roots going down that deep." And if you do, and you're not expecting like excessive rain in your heavy soil, I'm counting that. I'm figuring that crop's going to at least get part of that, whether the roots hit it directly when it's way down there or through capillary action, some of that nitrogen moves up with some of the water that's in the soil. Either way, the point is, if we can access some of that, why would I not count that? So a lot of times people are looking at, All right, how much nitrogen do I want to put on? And we hear quite often from universities and others saying, oh, you're putting too much on. And then for many of us farmers, we're like, well, we're not putting enough on. Well, we we can debate this all day long, but until we actually have data, number one, soil test data telling us what's there for nitrogen now. And two, we'd like soil test data knowing what we have for organic matter levels. So, for example, the farmer I was talking to yesterday had 4% organic matter. Okay, that's great. So normally, over the course of the growing season, we're going to figure 80 to 120 pounds of nitrogen is going to come available. But there's very little of that that's happened already. We've had almost no heat. Well, we're going to get the heat. So that 80 pounds minimum is probably all still to come yet. So if it's me, I'm subtracting off... What's already been used in the plant? Okay, at this point, it's very little. If like on our farm, where it maybe V6, so I figure 10% of the nitrogen needs have been used. So let's call it 30 pounds. Okay, so I don't care about that, but I still need another 250 pounds to raise my crop if I'm going for 250 bushel corn, because 250 bushel corn needs 280. Period. And you might say, well, wait a second here. I, I mean, I'm I'm able to raise 250 bushel corn on only 150 pounds of nitrogen. No, you're not. You're able to raise 250 bushel corn and 150 pounds of nitrogen applied. I'm not talking about applied. I'm talking about total needs for the plant. 250 bushel corn needs 280 pounds. All right. If I've already used 30, so I don't have to worry about that. I still need 250 yet. Well, if I've got, let's say, 80 or 100 coming out of my soil for free, and I'm already sitting there with 100 or 150, I'm going, you know what? I'm pretty darn close. So maybe I need to side dress a little bit, but I mean, those are the things that we're talking about right now today. Nitrogen is high priced. We don't want to overspend, but by the same token, we got six, seven, dollars corn. So I don't want to underspend too. I want to make sure we're getting every last possible bushel because it should really pay this year. All right. So I guess that was probably top of mind for me today. Beyond that, I just want to let you know, we do have the Ag PhD Field Day coming up. It's in just over a month. It's always the last Thursday in July. So this year, that's Thursday, July 28th. We'd love to have you join us on our farm. It's a free event we put on every year to say thank you to you for listening to our radio show here and to watching us on Ag PhD TV. I'm doing the TV show for... 20 over 24 years now it's hard to believe and we've been here on Sirius XM every day for nine years now but anyway we really appreciate your support we would love to have you come to our farm see what we're doing in terms of research and then we bring in all kinds of other companies equipment everything else so it's a fantastic one day farm show and in my opinion, one of the best things that you're, you're going to get here is we've, we will bring in a lot of great farmers from around the country to talk to you about what they're doing in their fields to raise higher yields and earn more money on the farm. So anyway, it's a lot of fun. We'd encourage you to go to agphd.com to check that out. It's a one-day thing, Thursday, July 28th. always the last Thursday in July, but it's the Ag PhD Field Day. We put that on every year right on our farm near baltic south dakota again just go to agphd.com to learn more okay so today we're going to talk a little more about corn tasseling fungicide insecticide plant nutrients things like that but you know what even if you don't raise corn you might still use some of these same fungicides insecticides uh, fertility talk so it applies to most crops we're going to get to that right after this you're listening to agphd radio
2: The
3: Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves clean-out of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter-turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, insulation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at Pentair.com Hypro.
4: It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain
0: at johndeer.com slash gainground. At AgPhD, we want to support anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free AgPhD Scouting and Scholarships event. In-field sessions include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So this is one event that you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the AgPhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Our topic is corn tasseling fungicide and insecticide and nutrient needs of the crop at that time. What you can do to influence yield and protect the plant. Uh, We'll be discussing that. We've got our phone lines open throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD and you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Let's hit the phone lines. We've got Jim in South Dakota on with us right now. How's it going, Jim? Good. Nice to hear you back. A couple of weeks or so ago, you were gone. I called in. Oh Six, yeah, weeks, yeah. Weeks, then weeks. you were then you were stuck with oh. Brian. Oh man, that uh, had to be well. that had to be rough.
3: <laughs> no, he was pretty happy. He was actually.
0: Kind of, I don't know, maybe you were on him, I guess. I <laughs> oh, no, Don't. you're making him smile now, Jim. Don't Don't give him that. Don't give him that. He always says, it's a great show when I'm gone just to give me a hard time. Hey, I hear you got some weeds out in alfalfa. And, you know, we've been seeing this all around the state that that uh, a lot of the alfalfa is actually growing pretty well now that we're getting some heat. But uh, there have been some weed escapes out in there. What What yeah. are you seeing? It's
3: I don't know we call it mustard thistle but I don't know if that's the proper name I should take the weed book you somebody gave me and and make sure but it's that big yellow headed stuff and it it's taller than the oh opalpa. yeah yep and it 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 hard wind windrower and hard and and then it takes a lot of moisture and I didn't know if a guy could spray between first and second cut in here
1: now before it gets you to can fall. yep you absolutely can so. The problem in alfalfa is you have like three herbicides to spray for broadleaves. You've got the old bucktril, or now there's the generic brox, and you can go all the way up to a pint and a half. Mustards, bucktril's okay on them, but you need to push that rate a little bit. So there's that. There's also raptor. That's an ALS herbicide. That's just like pursuit, almost identical. Uh, That's also okay on mustard. Not the greatest thing ever, but it's okay. And then you've got buterac that's old 24db and you don't want to use more than an ounce or two of that usually people put an ounce or two with their bucktril and it's hot and the whole thing is we've got 100 degree temps that are coming up here in the next few days if you ever spray bucktril in any crop when it's 100 degrees it's not going to kill the crop or anything but boy is it going to burn the leaves so I would just say if you want to spray something in your alfalfa, you're going to want to get it done tomorrow in our region because tomorrow they're only talking maybe 85 for a high. But then the next like four days, it's supposed to be 95 plus. So whenever we've got those burners like Buctrel, Bassagran, Gramoxone, Liberty, anything like that, they're contact killers. So you have to get good spray coverage. And when it's hot and sunny, then we always get better control. So sunlight does absolutely play a part in it with all those products. So when it's hot and sunny, that's where Bucktrill is going to work the best, but it's going to work so well, it's going to burn the alfalfa a little bit. So anyway, yeah, if it's me and it's my alfalfa, I'd probably go out there with, well, honestly, I'd probably just do straight Bucktrill, but you certainly could throw a little bit of Butyrac an ounce or two with that. Um, You know, some guys will just go with Spray Raptor, depending on what else they have out in that field. But those are really your only choices.
3: What, uh, that Pursuit Plus, Brian, did you say too, was one of them?
1: No, uh, Raptor, and that, and for a lot of our listeners, they're familiar with Old Pursuit. So... Okay. Raptor and Pursuit are virtually identical products. Same chemical family, work about the same. The active ingredient is almost identical. So if anybody's listening and you're familiar with Pursuit, you just use Raptor. With Raptor, you don't have quite as much worry about carryover. And it was always said to be just a little bit better on a few of the broad leaves. So that's generally what we talk um, in I'm alfalfa I'm... is Raptor. Uh, generally, it's either four or five ounces per acre of the Raptor. And that's going to be a little bit more money, not a lot, but probably a little bit more money than that Brox or or Bucktrill. Brox is the generic. I don't think they even make the name brand Bucktrill anymore.
3: And you said a pint and a half of Bucktrill or Brox? Yep.
1: That's probably what I'd do if it was me. I'd probably just run a pint and a half of that. Don't need anything with it. Just go spray it all by itself and uh, and try to do it when it's not 95 degrees or you're going to come back and say, oh, that really toasted up the alfalfa a little bit.
3: You had an article in one of your magazines. I'll have to dig it out tonight, but I'm fixing something. And uh, it can only be so tall, right? You don't want to do it when it's like a foot tall. You want to do it right after you cut it before it gets... So many leaves, right, if
1: I remember? Well, I'm more worried about the weeds than I am the alfalfa. But, yes, if the alfalfa is really big, number one, you're not going to get coverage, and number two, you're going to stunt that plant just a little bit more and create some more issues burning those leaves and everything. So, yeah, we'd prefer to do it when that – that, that crop is pretty small. So a lot of times guys are doing it first thing in the spring, but the problem with that is the weather's cold and you don't get the best weed kill. So you certainly can right. do it in between cuttings.
3: And not after what? Fifteen mile an hour wind? Don't be spraying something
1: like that. <laughs> well, we'd I like mean, we'd like the... for the wind to be ten miles an hour or less, Jim. Always. So, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. all right.
5: <laughs> we had that one day last week. I sprayed. Yeah. It's uh, coming
1: tomorrow right. here too for our farm, so we're getting ready to try to spray all our beans tomorrow. Hey, Jim, thanks a lot for the call today. Appreciate it. Good luck out there.
0: Thanks, for the help, guys. Bye. You bet. Take another call here in South Dakota. We've got John Klein, John on with South Dakota State University. John, how are you doing today?
6: I'm doing well. How are you guys?
0: Pretty good. We were going to talk about tassel time and all the things going on. I mean, obviously we got a little ways to go here in South Dakota before we get there, but we're getting the heat now. It's going to push things along pretty quick.
6: Yeah, stuff's kind of really uh, popping this week. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I haven't been down to the Sioux Falls area for a while, but the corn looked kind of yellow in this area and it's really coming around and starting to get that healthy green color
0: now. You bet. It sure is, no doubt about that. And, you know, there are some fears though that guys have with tar spot making it into Minnesota and quite a ways across Minnesota last year. Uh, What what are you hearing for questions from guys? I I know as we, we head towards that tasseling stage, certainly a lot of talk about fungicides and side dressing in right now, lots of things coming up for this crop.
6: Yeah, I guess I haven't had a lot of questions about tar spot. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not the pathologist here, so usually those get directed to them, but obviously I'm aware of that, and, and it has been a concern. I would say I've talked to a couple guys about it, and and I just said, well, just just be scouting because I believe that's controlled best by uh, kind of app- applying uh, right when the disease shows up, and you guys would probably know a little bit more about that than me, wouldn't you?
0: Well, you know, I hope we don't find out about that this <laughs> year exactly, firsthand anyway. Yeah. You're right, but... Yeah, you know, it, it's just one of those things guys are, are talking about this crop. Like you mentioned, it kind of, when we get that V4, V5 yellowish looking corn or very lighter green, and then we get V6 and we get that root system just a little more developed and a little deeper, uh, we start seeing that dark green color come and it, it sure gets everybody feeling a little bit better about the crop. But we know in South Dakota yep. and, and a lot of places around the country, we're going to start hitting some stress before you know it here.
6: Yeah, let's hope this hot stretch doesn't last for uh for more than a, a week or so because uh you know we're we're in pretty good shape. The corn the the corn doesn't use much water this time of year, but once we get towards that tassel stage we're kinda maximizing, you know, you could use two tenths or a quarter inch of water a day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the water usage ramps up and also uh, Brian was just talking about for our own farm we're out doing some pre-side dress nitrate testing in the soil just to see what we're going to need. We know as that corn gets bigger sure. it's it's pull on nutrients gets to be pretty heavy too.
6: Yep. Yeah, the side dress rigs are really rolling here uh right now and um it, it depends on the year whether you see a response from later season nitrogen or not and obviously how much you put down in the spring but some years you'll see a good response and some years maybe not so much but uh I would say side dressing is becoming a very common practice, uh, more so than it was 10 years ago in this area.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. No doubt about it. We're, we're seeing more guys splitting that nitrogen up uh, rather than just putting it all out in one shot. Now, I, I'll say this, though. We did put some nitrogen all out in one shot on a couple fields where we did some dairy manure uh, even this spring uh, with one of our local uh, dairies close by here. What are you seeing? You're seeing a lot of change in South Dakota with more dairies coming in.
6: Yeah, in fact uh, I a, I've got some first-hand experience with the with dairy manure and uh, talking to guys uh, that, that use that, their yields have really gone up. Uh, in fact, most guys I don't think put any extra fertilizer on if they have access to that dairy manure. They might put some on with their pre-emerged chemical, but yeah, that, uh, that manure is definitely good stuff and, and yeah, it seems to, it's good to be, so it seems like there's a dairy about every 15 or 20 miles.
0: Yeah, it's really growing in our state and it gives more opportunity, like you say, especially with high fertilizer prices right now, to get a shot to use manure instead. We're talking with John Kleinjohn here with South Dakota State University. Well, John, we got a long season ahead and look forward to talking to you again down the road.
6: Sounds great. You guys have a good one.
0: Yeah, you too. We're talking about corn tasseling, fungicide, insecticide, nutrients, all those things that go into those decisions. We'll be right back.
2: Take a second, and listen. You hear that? That's the sound of your roots growing where they've never gone before. There are additional nutrients and water in your soil, hidden in tough to reach spaces. With MicroApply Endoprime, Hyphae attached to the root hairs to reach small areas inaccessible to big roots, even some that are tied up in the soil. Applied in furrow at planting, MycoApply Endoprime uses four, four unique species of mycorrhizal fungi to go where roots can't. Unlock the potential of your corn crop with MycoApply Endoprime, and by nurturing your soil today, you're helping to ensure future harvest will be just as bountiful. For more information, talk to your local retailer or visit valent.com endoprime. Always read and follow label instructions. Maximum application flexibility. Maximum yields at harvest, whether or not. Relentless is the kind of control you'll always get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Low use rate Anthem Max Herbicide protects corn and soybean crops from the toughest broadleaf weeds and grasses, including water hemp, palmer pigweed, foxtails, crabgrass, and more. Dual modes of action and lasting overlapping residuals also help you minimize resistance in your fields. It's easy to tank mix formulation and wide application window make Anthem Max Herbicide the crop protection choice that's ready when you are. Rain or shine. Whether or not, relentless, that's Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio broadcasting from the Morton Studio today talking about corn management decisions, especially as we get towards tasseling here. Lots of questions that we get every year around fungicide use and disease prevention, uh, bugs and different insecticides to consider using, even nutrient applications, uh, PGRs and more. So lots of things to think about and unpack here. We've got Bill Verbetton with us right now with FMC to talk through a little bit of this. Bill, how you doing? Oh, no complaints. Life is good. Another day out in the fields. You know, Bill, I was thinking we could talk a long time here. You got a lot of things that you're working on that would fit this discussion around corn tasseling time. Because I know guys that say, well, I like Capture or Bifenthrin. To be used around this time, well, we've got Hero that we could talk about. We've got Steward that we could talk about. When you think about the fungicide piece, FMC's got some really good ones there, too. Uh, what do You you get questions about this tasseling time application. Where do you start with growers, and, and how do you choose between some of these different options you've got?
5: Well, I think the first thing we need to discuss is uh, disease protection. Now, a number of growers have started the season getting Xiway on with their planter, or in some cases, folks are trying Y drop applications to have a good foundation. Um, and even if they don't start off with uh, that disease protection up front, um, you know, ideally, I'd like to see Luc- Lucento out there on the acre, but quite frankly, we just need more fungicide on the corn acre. Um, over the last decade, I have seen corn diseases just increase over time between southern rust you know, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot, and, of course, tar spot. And even if it's not every acre, if uh, growers in the upper Midwest, I'd really encourage them to pick a percent of their acres and start the conversation with the fungicide, um, the acres that are at the highest risk, and uh, definitely pick an insecticide if you have local insect pest populations that are an issue. And it's nice to have some of those options, especially you had mentioned steward. Um, It's been really exciting working with that one um, in the corn rootworm uh, scenarios. that's It's definitely been an up and coming pest, and uh, uh, it's been really nice to have an insecticide that's been able to knock them down and and even see that population stay down the following year. So yeah, that's where I'd say start with the fungicide and then definitely put the insecticide in as the acre, it makes sense.
0: We get a lot of questions from farmers and they say, it's so easy to just do what we've done in the past and use the products we've done in the past. And, and they say, you guys talk about all these different products on Ag PhD. Give us some more detail on why we should switch. So talk about Lucento to start with. What's different about that one?
5: Well, the nice thing about Lucento is it, it incorporates you know multiple modes of action. It's not just uh, – you know, some of the older products are just the mix of a triazole and a strobular tro- and fungicide. Um, and so those are just two modes of action. The nice thing about Lucento is it has an FDHI, um and a triazole, and it has the triafol, which, you know, that's the same triazole as we've had out in Zyway, uh, very mobile within the plant, uh, very long-lasting. And um, we're actually um, pretty excited to be gearing up to launch a three-way Uh, fungicide for this application. It's not out this year, um, but we're optimistic about the timing to have, um, you know, a three-way out there. But with Lucento, it's an SDHI, um, and it's a very... Paired with a very long acting
0: uh, triazole. All right, switching gears to the insecticide piece. I know Hero's been out for a long time. Growers are really familiar with that one. It's been a really popular product at this timing. Couple different pyrethroids in there, different classes of pyrethroids. It's worked quite well. Uh, How about Stewart? Now, Stewart, a lot of guys will say, well, uh, it costs a little bit more. What am I getting if I'm buying Stewart?
5: Well, Stuart, if you run it at the, the higher rates, at 10 fluid ounces per acre, um, you get three weeks of residual protection from the time of application with corn worms. So our traditional pyrethroids, seven, maybe 10 days of protection. So you're really getting the protection of three pyrethroid applications. And the thing about Stuart that's unique is it really is kind of the opposite of how a pyrethroid works. So a pyrethroid, you know, we're used to spraying it and the bugs twitch and then they fall down and die. It happens pretty quickly. Well, that's because it's like, you know, the dam's been thrown open and the floodgates are, you know, rushing down the river. You know, the muscles are overwhelmed. But uh, the active and steward and doxicarb, it actually works on that same uh, part of the insect, except it closes those pumps off instead of opening them. So it takes a couple days of them walking around like they're in a drunken state, but they die. Um, But it is a newer mode of action that um, haven't seen any resistance to it uh, at at this time. And um, yeah, I mean, if you run it at high rates, it's three weeks residual if you're at 10 fluid ounces. And I think that's what really has uh, gotten people excited about this product and why we continue to see growth of it in the
0: uh, heavy rootworm pressure regions. Especially when we see early emergence, uh, then knowing that we're going to be fighting this for a long time. If you get something a little more residual and like you said, a a new mode of action, that's two big pluses. No doubt about that. Talking with Bill Verbetten here with FMC. Bill, thank you so much. Really, Really appreciate having you on.
5: Well, thank you for the opportunity. And, uh,
0: You guys have a great day. You bet. You too. You too. Let's head down south to Mississippi State. We've got Tom Allen on with us right now. Talk a little bit about the disease protection side. And, Tom, you had to love that. Bill said, man, the first thing is you got to protect crops against disease because it could be a big disease year this year.
7: It could be. But it's from where I sit and what I've looked at so far and having conversations with some counterparts in some adjacent states in the mid-southern U.S., most everybody has said this looks like a really clean corn crop so far
0: excellent and
7: and i would i would echo the same thing i went tuesday down to the southernmost parts of the state to scout around like i normally do this time of the year and make sure nothing was really popping out and i struggled to find foliar diseases uh, which you know is is not such a bad thing for farmers. It's it can be discouraging as a plant pathologist, but you know, that's <laughs> that's for for farmers and from where they're looking. I, I think that's a that's a good thing for for our corn folks in this part of the
0: world. I agree. I I, uh, I say it's good for our farm, but it's no fun for you when, when uh, searching for these things and learning more about them is, is a big deal. Uh, you know, when you look at smut, I know uh, we've seen some some people in the area already seeing a little bit of smut out there. What do you see with that particular disease? Is it just stress? Is it hail? What What is really causing this? And is it something growers should worry about or do something about?
7: I, I don't think it's something that, that- corn growers should really be concerned about. I think that disease in particular really prefers injured plants. So you alluded to hail. Hail injury definitely can open that wound court and allow that fungus to get in there and produce that that big smut uh, proliferation where that ear tends to be. Uh, And usually, if my memory serves me right, it's a bigger issue in, in field situations whereby corn has been grown in, in kind of a continuous fashion. So rotation is definitely an option. Uh, but, you know, heck, I would even say the same thing. I saw more corn smut Tuesday than what I am accustomed to. And I think a lot of that is just related to Some early season injury that occurred, be it herbicide injury or bird feeding or stink bugs down in our part of the world can can actually open a wound court for that, or even hail in some of the places where we've encountered some of those hail-producing storm systems.
0: You know, you have had some storms come through. We've been watching on the news, and I know even some farmers we've talked to uh, down in Mississippi and the surrounding areas have had some green snap already, and we never, never want to see that. But when, when you have some injury like that, uh, a lot of times we end up with some disease coming in afterwards. What what do you advise? When, when growers have that, do you wait? wait for some regrowth on on some of the things. I mean, obviously, green stuff, if it's above the ear, not as big a deal as if it's below the ear. But, uh, man, these storms, you just never know. It's going to be a little everything, I'm sure.
7: That's right. And, And I think in a lot of cases, there remains a tremendous amount of question about if I apply a fungicide, does that benefit me from a stock integrity or does that reduce the likelihood of some brittle stalk condition that may occur later in the season? And we've done a little bit of work in my program on that, probably in the better part of the last 13 or 14 years, and we've not seen a benefit uh, on stalk integrity following a fungicide application. And usually what I tell folks is, is that's all related to host plant genetics. If the particular corn hybrid has a propensity to produce green snap, or have a brittle stem at the end of the season, then there's not much you can do about that. Um, And that's a a hard thing to talk to somebody about, because I think in a lot of cases, there's still a tremendous amount of conversation about that and a lot of people would like to see fungicides provide a benefit
0: absolutely you don't want to say well you've already made your bed and and now you can't do anything about it that's for sure talking with tom allen at mississippi state tom i hope you have a boring summer with no disease in your area
4: maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been howler a revolutionary fungicide from Agbiome, can help It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more.
7: Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman, when there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH.
0: Case IH, built by farmers. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day.
4: Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought or another event? You may need to consider a better burn-down regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts you gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open ask your dealer for panther sc and get panther power in your tank it takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get
6: out of it depends on what you put in and corteva agriscience gets that introducing Nutricia and nutrient efficiency optimizer a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We've been talking about some of those in-season and later-season corn decisions. One of them, of course, being nitrogen. If you want to talk about that or talk about fungicide and insecticide and all these other things we've been discussing, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. I think Rich over in Minnesota wants to talk about that nitrogen piece, though. How are you doing, Rich?
8: I'm doing really good. Beautiful sunny day and had a good couple inches of rain the last couple of days, so can't complain.
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, it's a good time to be out there pulling nitrate tests in your fields. That's for sure. Get a little sweat worked up.
8: Yeah, I got them back here, and I got, I just, I got a question. I don't, want to, I don't want to make, try not to make a mistake, because we got some of the nicest crop I've ever seen, and the prices are good. So um, I, I got the samples back here, and I just want to kind of see what you think as far as the numbers go. I... This is corn on soybean ground, okay. and I applied 65 pounds of actual N so far. And my organic matter is about 4%. Okay, and my nitrate test came back at about 100 pounds. Okay, and I did a 12-inch sample also. I guess I sure.
1: Yeah. So, do you have heavy soil?
8: It's pretty good, nice black dirt. I think the, the cation exchange, I think, is around four, uh, 15, or 14, excuse me.
1: Okay. All right. So here's the way... I, oh, and what's your yield goal?
8: I'm hoping I shoot for 250-plus. I mean, I got okay. a perfect stand this year. so. All right. All
1: right. So, And what stage are we at right now, roughly?
8: Well, the corn is... Pushing, actually, it's grown about almost a foot in the last few days with the heat, but it's pushing two feet tall.
1: Okay, so probably V8? I would guess
8: that. that. I guess I did not really count the leaves, but yeah.
1: Okay, all right, so here's where we're at. 250 bushel corn needs, in total, 280 pounds. All right. Now at V8, you've already used, let's call it roughly 15% of the nitrogen you need for the year. So that would mean you're going to be down in the, you probably need, let's call it 235 more pounds you got to have to finish out your crop. You've already got 100 sitting out there right now. you got another 80 that's probably coming when your organic matter mineralizes. So if it's me on my farm, I'm just running through the numbers exactly like I would on our ground. So I got 235 minus 80 means that I need 55 more pounds, assuming we have no loss. But like I was saying earlier in the show, and I mean, you may not feel this way, but for me, I like knowing what's in my next 12 inches down. So at this point, since I don't have that data, then all we're kind of doing is guessing, saying, all right, well, how much do you think is down there? I you know, I don't really know. If you've got 100 in the top 12 inches, it wouldn't surprise me if you had 55 pounds in that next 12 inches. I, I'm going to assume you probably have at least 20 or 30. So for me, I'm probably not going to be worried about spending a lot of money here, but I would definitely spend at least some. The other thing that I want to bring up is when we say organic matter at 4%, we usually figure, like in our region of the country, we usually figure 20 pounds at a minimum. Now, some years, like the last couple, we've had at least 30 so if you were to get that, then all of a sudden your 80 pounds coming out of the organic matter is 120, so that's 40, 40 pounds different. So I'm just saying, I'll bet you, you are not too far off from where, where you need or want to be. So in a year like this, where the, the commodity price is as good as it is, and you say, boy, my corn looks better than it ever has before, um, would I put a little bit of nitrogen on? Yeah, I'd probably put a little bit on, but I sure wouldn't get carried away.
8: Okay. Yeah, I've already kind of prepaid some at a fairly good price, so I I Great. just wanted to kind of verify that how, cause it's like a,
1: how much were you thinking of putting on?
8: Well, probably another thirty, forty pounds of actual end. Perfect.
1: I guess. Yep. That's yep. that's about exactly what I would do. So okay. yep, Well, yep.
8: I just wanted to confirm my thoughts and yep. I, now, I don't want to make any mistakes this
1: year. <laughs> right. Now, I, I, I want to bring up one more thing. You said you're shooting for 250. Now, that okay. to me means average 250, but that also means you probably are going to have spots of 300. So mm-hmm. I, I would just at least consider that in, let's say, your best field or your best areas of fields or whatever. Maybe you want to bump that just a little bit more in those spots. And and then I'll leave you with one last thing. I don't know when you're planning on putting this on. And I don't know what your forecast looks like, but my forecast looks terrible. No no rain for sure in the forecast for a week. 90-plus uh, degree temperatures. So I'm just saying if you were going to lay it on the soil surface, that worries me With either without a stabilizer or injecting it or something like that. So I've kind of been telling guys here in the last few days either, one, wait for rain two inject it or three put a stabilizer with it
8: yeah we're supposed to be well i got hay down so i'm hoping it doesn't rain for about four or five days
1: (laughs) but you know now uh, it's gonna rain so you already answered my question there rain's coming since rich put his hay down all right well hey rich good luck out there thanks for the call today thank you you bet
0: got jamie Luck around with us right now with syngenta down in kansas jamie how you doing
9: I'm doing great. How are you guys
0: today? You know, we're doing pretty well. There are so many choices though now of things that we can do to try to preserve yield and and add to the quality of our crop later in the season. We were just talking about nitrogen there, but certainly protecting from weeds and insects and diseases is a big topic for farmers. I'm sure you're getting that down to Kansas too.
9: Absolutely. You know, given the commodity prices and people trying to um, be smart about their investments, they want to make sure that um, they can get a return on their investment. And fungicides is a great way to do that in 2022. Um, Not only agronomically speaking from a disease control perspective, but also, um, you know, if we're intentional about the fungicides we select, we can really boost the plant health as well to mitigate some of these stresses. I know you guys were talking about whether it's going to rain or if it's going to stay dry. And Um, Those are important things that fungicides can help out with.
0: Yeah, no idea what that weather is going to do. And that's the tricky thing about fungicides and trying to prevent disease from getting in. The best thing to do is to keep that plant healthy all the way along and be proactive in this approach. When does that start for you, Jamie? There's a lot of debate about, all right, do we do that V4, V7 timing? Well, for many growers, that decision's already been made. Now the question is, do I do a pre-tassel application or do I wait until tassel? How do you make that decision?
9: Yeah, you know, there's a few things I think about or ask folks to think about when they're trying to make that choice. Number one, if we have a fungicide like Trivapro or Miravisio that has curative and preventative benefits, um, the sweet spot that we like to hit is that R1 tassel time. So in general, that's the recommendation. However, I know um, we've also got to be scouting. We've got to be looking for certain diseases. So you know, as I get farther north, we're concerned about tar spot, prairie leaf spot, northern corn leaf slide. As I start to come south, we've, we've got those diseases as well, but also southern rust. And if we have those diseases move in sooner than our water or tassel, it might be the right thing to pull the trigger earlier so that we don't allow them to get established prior to that application.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. And then when we think about the products that we can use from a disease control standpoint, ah, oh, Jamie, it's not simple anymore. We don't just have quadris. We've got two-way stacks, three-way stacks, all these things trying to overcome uh, resistance. Uh, when you think about that, uh, what's your go-to product on corn?
9: Our go-to product on corn in um, more of our northern environments is going to be Miravis Neo at 13.7 ounces as As we go south and we start to see more southern rust, um, we're still using Triva Pro at 13.7 ounces. So both of those products are three-way mixes. They have curative and preventative products in them, and they've got a really good balance between uh, mobility and persistence. So we do get some um, fungicide mobility to make sure that we're getting throughout that plant, but also the carboxamide chemistries in either of those two products do a great job of essentially sticking in that cuticle and being there for a really long length of residual on those key diseases we're worried about.
0: Yeah, it's a big thing. It's a long growing season, and having products that last a decent amount of time is really important, too. Uh, Jamie, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Good luck here the rest of the growing season.
9: Yeah, thank you so much.
0: You know Brian, we we think about that, I, I, I think tank mixing is also the big piece here and these fungicides work pretty well with the insecticides and that's kind of a nice thing that you get a free ride out there for at least one of those products if you decide, I want to prevent disease and you see some insects out there you need to spray for, you can do both at the same time.
1: Yep, definitely something we do on our farm almost every year. Yeah, there's a lot
0: of different things that we're doing mid to late season on corn. We're going to get back into some more of those and into the Ag PhD mailbag right after this.
3: With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com.
2: Get an extra semi load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from Farmshop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a
4: 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more.
2: Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Compromise is nice
0: Come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio Broadcasting from the Martin Studio. And it is time for the Ag PhD Mailbag. That means we're taking your calls and questions still at 844-44-AG-PHD. But also digging into the radio mailbag uh, with our emails here, radio at agphd.com. And got one that came in from WP in in eastern North Carolina with some corn leaf damage. He said, seeing leaves that look like this near the edge of the field, kind of random out there. Just wondering how far in it goes. I think it might be just rubbing from the wind, but uh, if that was the case, wouldn't it be a little more prevalent? And, you know, looking at the leaves there, Brian, it does kind of look like corn leaf minor damage, but it's, it's hard to tell just from a plant or two, but this is something we see. Corn leaf miners will, will uh, take that plant tissue in between the veins, and it could certainly look like that. I, I'm going to tweet back a response here. This one actually came in on Twitter. Uh, I'll send back a response. If anybody's looking at Twitter, you can just look at the uh, – uh, Ag PhD Media account or, or or just mine, Darren Hefty, and see what we're talking about here for a picture. What what do you think, Brian? This, we see these kinds of things every year.
1: Well, it, it, it's really hard to say just looking at a picture what for sure happened. So that's why it's really nice when we can be out in the field and we look for patterns. We look at soil tests. We look at tissue tests. We do root digs. I, I mean, there are a lot of things that it could be yes i mean it could even be and i doubt this but it could even be a nutrient deficiency where there is that the lack of nutrient and then some of the tissue starts to die in that leaf again i say in this case i i doubt that but i I hate to rule anything out without doing more investigation so yeah it's it's tough and I guess that's probably one of the biggest things I would always say. This is why you want to be out in your field scouting. And when you see something weird, if you can't figure it out, bring an agronomist out and and try to figure that out. Because sometimes, yeah, it's just a fluke deal and it doesn't really matter. But other times, it could be something that, oh, it's a little problem this year and it just becomes a greater problem every year moving forward. Well, the earlier you identify it, the less total yield loss you have, and the sooner you can get that fixed.
0: All right. Thanks for that question. We really appreciate that. All right. Got a herbicide one. This is in following up to uh, yesterday's discussion. We had a grower that had used a couple different, I think in New Jersey, a couple different HPPDs on their farm, and one of them was Acuron, and Brian had made the comment that uh, Acuron had atrazine in it. So, uh, got this question from, uh, RKB today or RB today, who says, all right, guys, yesterday at the end of the show, you said there was four tenths of a pound of Atrazine and Acuron, but I don't see where that's coming from. I don't see the label showing a group five, which would be the chemical family of Atrazine. Okay. RB, there's three different Acuron products, at least that I'm aware of Acuron Which contains atrazine, a pound of atrazine per gallon in Acuron. There's Acuron Flexi that doesn't have atrazine in it. And then there's Acuron GT, which also doesn't have atrazine in it. So, yeah, it is a little complicated here when they have products with... With uh, the same name, basically.
1: And this is why I tell all the companies, I hate it when you do that. I understand why you do, because it's all about the marketing side. But look, I used to work in a chemical warehouse. Um, And I can tell you this, if you make a mistake, it may seem, oh, no big deal. I loaded out the guy acuron instead of acuron flexi or acuron gt but no something like that could kill a crop and kill a crop the following year so it's a major deal i don't like it when companies name stuff that way and i tell them that all the time but nevertheless we have to sort through that Oh, and as an agronomist, I will just say it was very common for me over the years. It has been very common for me over the years to talk to somebody else on the farm and they say, hey, I need to get this. Dad said I need to get this or my husband said I need to get this. And I'm like, are you sure? Um, I don't know that that's right. So thankfully today, just about everybody has a cell phone. And then we make the call and go, is this actually what you want? Well, no, I want this other one. And it's usually something as simple as that that, hey, there are three different Acurons. So you got to make sure you know which one you're talking about.
0: All right. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate that. And it is good to get clarification on that. So I'm glad you did. Uh, I get this one in from Lorenzo, who's in Southeast North Dakota. And he said, Unfortunately, guys, we're going to have quite a bit of PP ground this year, prevent plant. Uh, the fields that we have to spray notoriously have pigweed, kochia, and annual grass. Just wondering a couple things here. Uh, first, what would be the best economical burn down mix that you'd recommend and residual product to add with it so I don't have to be back out there all the time? And then, lastly, I just want you to know I'm not going to have these fields passed this year. At least there's no guarantee. Uh, so I don't necessarily want to spend too much on these fields
1: out there just in case I don't get them back. Hmm. Well, here's the thing there are a lot of people that talk about cover crops on ground that isn't getting farmed. So I just want you to think about, let's go outside the box a little bit. Those weeds are cover crops. They're not hurting anything as long as they don't go to seed. So let's put it this way, and I I, I hate to do this because now we might have resistant weeds. But if let's say you used a low rate of a herbicide that stunted the plant, prevented it from going to seed, but the plant didn't die, I mean, really, this would be a case where we want tolerance to a herbicide. You see where I'm going with this. The other thing you could always do is go out and mow it, just like you'd mow a lawn. You go mow every couple of weeks or something, hoping that these weeds don't go to seed. So you just kind of have to keep an eye on stuff. But I'm just saying that's a little outside-of-the-box way to think about this. Now, you mentioned three words what's the best, what's economical, and residual. <sighs> if you're trying to get burned down and residual and you want it to be economical, I'm sorry, nothing is this year. Everything is really high-priced compared to how it was priced just two years ago. So what what would I do out there that's going to be the best? I'll, I'll just say this. It's going to vary possibly depending on when you spray it. So the first year, for both Darren and me, back in 1993, that was our first year where we'd ever seen much prevent plant, and we saw gobs of it, millions of acres. And long story, I could go into why we saw that at that time frame, but anyway, let's put it this way. What we found is running out there with Gramoxone and 2,4-D is what a lot of guys did, had good burndown, and then they could go do their tillage. And seed a cover crop later if they wanted to. And again, that's if you want to totally kill these weeds. So in this case, what would I do? Yeah, it might just, it might come back to that because let's face it, with Roundup, it's probably not gonna kill if the pigweed is water hemp, which I'm guessing it is, and the kochia, Roundup isn't gonna work. Roundup would kill the grass, but if it's not gonna get the pigweed and the kochia, why are we spending 10 bucks an acre? So you can, I guess with Gramoxone and 2,4-D, you're going to get everything. You're going to kill everything. Now, you want to have good coverage, so you use a lot of water, use a high spray pressure, and go from there. Darren, you got any better suggestions? No, but it's just one of those things
0: where I don't want to be out there all the time either. And a lot of guys will say, well, just do tillage then. If you're not going to have the ground back, don't spend any money. But we all know what fuel price is and your time is worth something. And some of this ground is too wet to be out there doing lots of tillage either. And you're, you're just going to make a mess. So uh, I do like the idea of burning stuff off and having a residual. But, well, man, if you could throw that cover crop out there right. so you don't have to be out there all the time, that's what I'd do.
1: And that's what I was getting at is I would just burn everything down and put a cover crop in and hopefully that that holds the weeds down rather than using a residual herbicide. For a lot of guys, if they want to use a residual herbicide, they'll throw four ounces of Valor with it and that will give you some pretty good residual, at least on the broad leaves. won't be perfect on the grass, but at least on the broad leaves, that will do pretty well, especially pigweed and kochia. That should hold them down pretty good for quite a while. So anyway, it's, it's It's such an unfortunate deal. We really feel for you. Sorry that you ended up with that prevent plant situation. It's just, it's tough. It's just frustrating when you have a year like this with commodity prices as good as they are and you can't get out and get that planting done. So Anyway, if you've got any more questions or anything else you'd like to ask about that, just let us know. But yeah, unfortunately, there's nothing like super economical and you want to get burned down even of taller weeds. And it just gets tougher every day as those weeds continue to grow.
0: Yep, it sure does. That's no fun with prevent plant because even though you're not putting a crop in, you still get to spend money taking care of that ground. But I do think about it, and I don't know, in that case, you didn't know if you're going to get that ground back or not in that last question. Uh, I, I do always think about what can we do to leave that ground in the best shape to produce a great crop next year? Having something growing out there is great for soil microbes and also helps absorb some of that extra moisture that you've got in the field. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.